I mean, I'm, I'm on board with you. I, I, I so, understand. There was one line, though, that was given to Nick Fury in Captain America the Winter Soldier that I thought that Joss Whedon must cer- certainly have written, because it's like a, a line you would have thought of being in the Avengers. And that was when he says, and you wonder why I have trust issues. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 85 of the Movie Bite podcast, a show all about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. We're recording on Monday, April 7th, 2014. I'm your host, TJ. And joining me today, he's wearing the stars and stripes. It's our own Captain America or Sam the Eagle. You decide, folks. It's Chad Hopkins. How are you, Chad? I am doing well. How are you, TJ? I am also doing well. Uh, you know, we have somebody else with us that I should introduce. What do you What do you think? We should introduce him? Uh, yeah, I guess. He's, he's probably, you know, to your Captain America, he's probably more maybe the Hulk or, or Nick Fury. I don't <laughs> know which. Uh, give it up for uh, Mikey Fizzle. Wait, are you saying all S.H.I.E.L.D. agents look the same? Uh, yeah, you can't tell them apart. <laughs> well, uh, maybe your maybe your agent sit well. <laughs> wow. As, as long as we got that out of the way, TJ, so we know exactly what you think of me. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> no, but I'm very I'm very excited to be talking about this movie. Thanks for having me back on, TJ. No, it's uh, definitely our pleasure to have you on. Um, okay, yeah, it is. Especially, you know, talk, it seems like have you been on most of our Marvel episodes? I'm trying to. Th- I know you were on for Thor and for. Uh, um, weren't you also on for Iron Man? Was I on for Iron Man? I don't know why my voice got that high I don't to say know, that. Were you? <laughs> I wasn't on for Iron Man. Hmm. So. I'm, I'm going to check right now because I have a list of all the podcasts that I've uh, been on for Movie Byte. I was going to say, you can go to moviebyte.com slash people. You can also go to realworldtheology.com and do about Mikey Fissel, and I have a list of all the ones that I've been on. Let's see. No, Let's not, see. not TJ. That would be a little bit self-serving. Uh, where is your name here? There it is. Let's it's under Joe. Grew up with him. No. Okay. Hi Ho Silver, Punching Michael Bay in the Head, Blow mm-hmm. Up Indoor. What was this Blow Up Indoor? After I, I guess Iron you Man. weren't. Yeah. Yeah. T- uh, Mikey's first episode on here was my second episode, I believe. Okay. That's, that sounds about right. Woo! It had been just, yeah, it had been just after a couple, I guess a couple weeks after Iron Man 3, probably. Well, in any event, this is all very uh, interesting, I'm sure, to everyone. But, uh, <laughs> yes. Before we dive in to um, to our review of Captain America the Winter Soldier and probably a lot of Marvel Universe talk in general, I did just want to mention quickly, and I think you guys may have more to say about this than me, but uh, Mickey Rooney has passed away at the age of 93. Uh, I reported on this uh, this morning uh, a link to Valerie J. Nelson of the Los Angeles Times, who reports Mickey Rooney, a celebrated child actor who embodied the all-American boy in the Andy Hardy films of the 1930s and 40s, and became one of the era's top box office draws, has died. He was 93. Rooney, whose roller coaster show business career was marked by an often turbulent personal life, died Sunday at his home in Los Angeles. Los Angeles Police Commander Andrew Smith and the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office confirmed his death. Rooney's daughter-in-law, Charlene Rooney, said the actor died of natural causes Sunday afternoon at the home he shared with her and her husband, Mark Rooney. She said he had recently flown to Vancouver, Canada, where he worked on the upcoming film Night at the Museum 3. So, there you go. I, I, I'll go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like last time I was on, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman had just died, 
That yeah, that may sounds be about correct. right. So I'm a little worried about ever being on this show because people <laughs> that I really like in the entertainment industry are passing away. Yeah. Um, I think we mentioned it. Depressing. I think we mentioned it last show that uh, uh, maybe we're kind of getting around that age where people we g- grew up with are actually starting to pass away, and so it's starting to maybe hit us more. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm sure this happens all the time, but it does feel like recently there's been a, um, a, a, a quite a few of, of the actors or actresses or whatever that I know of or know of their work have, have started to pass away. And that's kind of uh, strange to me. But, well, the I think uh, on your uh, on your article or when you linked it uh-huh. on, on the movie bite. Yeah, it, you said something about like you you don't recall seeing him in many things, and it actually made me uh, want to go to IMDb because I know I've seen him in a number of things, but I couldn't like uh, put anything together off the like the top of my head. Right. So I went and I realized, you know, TJ, you might have because I think you've probably seen him probably slightly less uh, in this way than I have. But I looked at his filmography and he's really been like in all these tiny roles and tons of little things uh, like the Muppets, uh, Full House, Night right. at the Museum, Kung Fu, yeah, yeah, Pete's yeah. Dragon, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and a movie that I highly recommend to anybody because I think it stands the test of time. It's a mad, mad, mad world. Yeah, and I didn't realize I he was done mad. the Muppets. I think you pointed that out to me, Chad. I did. He had a um, he, he's in the first song. He, he, There's someone by your side to sing. Yeah, and now that you say that, I remember that, and I do remember him from Night at the Museum, uh, which, yes. which, by the way, I, I, I don't, I don't know what the general consensus on Night at the Museum is. I love that film. Me too. Well, I mean, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, like, I think I've said this on one of the podcasts before too. It, it's, I, I, I have a hard time calling a film just fl- flat out bad, and I don't like to use bad and good. I think it sells some films a little bit short. I think sometimes, even if it's not the highest quality film, maybe technically or you know acting story wise, as as long as it kind of sets out to do what it intends to do, I, I kind of I'm, I'm okay with that. And I don't think yeah. Night at the Museum was vying for an Oscar. You know, it, it was right. a fun, you know, kind of children's kind of you know young adult family friendly live action movie, and I thought it was fun. And yeah. I think that's exactly what it was supposed to do. Okay. Not that we're here to review the movie, but I mean, <laughs> I just want to, I want to defend movies that aren't that, you know, hypothetically great. Yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah. they do what they're supposed to do. Every movie has its audience. All right. Well, so that's anyway, that's the news about Mickey Rooney. I wish I had more to say about it. I wish I'd seen more of his films, but um, you know, Oh, uh, something I just realized he was Chris Kringle and Santa Claus and the old Santa Claus is coming to town TV special. Uh, actually, yeah, I was just scrolling to that. I'm looking through his yeah. IMDb profile. I think he's I think, been Santa in like 40 things. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Um, but I think that's the thing I most recognize him from, aside from Night at the Museum and Muppets. Because uh, admittedly, I haven't seen as many of his films as I would have liked to. But the fact of the matter is he's been in films since 1923. Yeah. Um, and he yeah. was still in films. And I think that's a real testament to who he was as a person, and, uh, how beloved he is that he was still getting these requests to be in films. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He did a lot of films. I, I take it with Judy Garland. There were quite a few pictures of him and Judy Garland together. And I chose one of those for my article, uh, header picture, my article thumbnail picture. So hmm. anyway, I only really know her from, uh, that movie that I hate so much. Uh, <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. So anyway, all right. Well, that's that's really the only other news that we have besides our primary topic today. 
and our primary topic today is Captain America the Winter Soldier specifically, but broadly I think we can talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Are you guys ready to do that? Let's do it. All right, yes, sir. So let's dive in. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. He's a ghost. You'll never find him. They joined S.H.I.E.L.D. to protect people. Captain, to build a better world sometimes means tearing the old one down. So that was from the trailer for Captain America, The Winter Soldier. The, win- uh, the Winter Soldier uh, debuted in theaters on April the 4th, 2014. It had a budget of $170 million, which may seem like a lot until you look at the very first week's box office totals. The opening weekend domestically was $95 million. The total worldwide is $300 million. Uh, that's a little bit crazy, guys. Yeah, that's uh, quite a bit of money. Yeah, three hundred two point one to be specific. Well, I was going to say you'd think that for a, uh, a film called Captain America, it wouldn't have such worldwide appeal. But I don't know yeah. if you guys have seen that picture going around and realized that it's really Captain Puerto Rico. Yeah, <laughs> based, on, based on his suit. Do you have a link to that? I'd like to put that in the show notes. Uh, I'm sure I can find one somewhere. Yeah, put it. I'll make a spot for it right there. Uh, wasn't it a running joke that Captain America came out around the world before it came out in the U.S. anyway? Uh, what was that, Chad? I was typing. We can't spell Puerto Rico. <laughs> didn't this movie? Didn't this movie come out before uh, in other countries before it came out in America? It's possible. Uh, I don't know. That that tends to happen. I've never I've noticed, but yeah. And it's interesting for for a hero named Captain America. You know, like like you said, Mike uh, Fizz. Excuse me. I I, I don't I, I don't Whatever. know why I gravitate Whatever. to the proper name. I, just, <laughs> I do. You mean my real name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. So yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting uh, the way that worked. But but one of the things about this film, I mean, I haven't even finished reading the opening statements. I'm already, you know, and I'm already diving into what I think. One of the things about this film is that it's very, I think, politically savvy, um, and so it kind of has more broad appeal. I think. So yeah. critical acclaim from Rotten Tomatoes says that it's uh, suspenseful and politically astute. Captain America: The Winter Soldier is a superior entry in the Avengers canon and is sure to thrill Marvel diehards. Directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo, Joe Russo. Writers Christopher Marcos, Marcus. Man, I'm I'm having a hard time reading today. In case you haven't noticed. On a roll. Christopher Marcus <laughs> and Stephen McFeely wrote the screenplay. Ed Brubaker did the concept and story. Um, and it stars, of course, Chris Evans, Samuel L. Jackson, Scarlett Johansson, Robert Redford, Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie, Kobe Smulders, Haley Atwell, and Toby Jones. Uh, now this this part is for you, Chad. The Henry, uh, the, the 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 Henry, the music. I, I actually I've had a <laughs> headache all day today, and I'm just kind of starting to get over it. But the music by Henry Jackman. Tell us about that, Chad. Um, pretty much everybody hates it. Um, if you go read, um, if you go read reviews by anybody who knows things about film soundtracks who do that sort of thing for a living. Um, everybody's pretty much universally panned it because it's this stereotypical um, cookie cutter action score that doesn't feature a lot of the Captain America theme that we've come to know and love. In fact, on the actual soundtrack album, it's not present at all. Whereas in the film, it does pop up once or twice. Um, yeah, I think right at the very beginning, we kind of got some of that Captain America theme and then it never came back. 
Yeah, and it's just really kind of sad. I mean, I think sometimes it does do a, a fairly decent job of getting you into the action, but overall it's not something that I'd sit and listen to, which is something I'd say of most of the other Marvel uh, soundtracks. So that's a little disappointing here. Yeah, and, and unlike, I think, perhaps uh, some of the previous work on some of these Marvel films that uh, – um, I'm trying to think of the, the – what, what's the guy's name who scored Iron Man 3? Chad, help me out. You're, you're a scorer. Um, Brian Tyler. Brian Tyler, where he's not afraid to dive into the themes that have already been established. I think maybe Henry Jackman shied away from that, like some composers tend to do. They want to do their own thing. And, and yeah. yeah, that's a little frustrating. And I, I completely agree that the music, I think, was completely subpar, and, and it's a sad thing for a film that was so good. Yeah, that's pretty much been the general consensus that I've seen on Twitter from different uh, film soundtrack accounts, is that uh, how could a film so good have a score so bad? Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would tend to agree with that. Do you have an opinion, Mike? Fizz? Well, the, the usually the thing I look for is, do I notice the soundtrack? And there's only two times I really notice the soundtrack if it's distracting and really, really bad or if it's just really, really good. And I don't really remember this soundtrack. Um, Not like when I left Divergent and like I was like, that was really bad and distracting almost all film. Um, (laughs) Or like when I when I left uh, uh, a good film that I could remember the soundtrack for. Like Gladiator, like Gladiator, you know, like, ah, this soundtrack is amazing. Right. You know, Um, so those are the times I only realize it. So I don't necessarily, I guess I never, I didn't notice it was really that bad because I didn't notice it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of weird, awkward, screamy guitar stuff in different (laughs) spots. It's, it's, it's bad. Yeah. I I was. (laughs) So it's unfortunate. So Chad, tell us a little bit about uh, the story of uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Okay, after the cataclysmic events in New York with the Avengers, Marvel's Captain America the Winter Soldier, Steve Rogers, also known as Captain America, living quietly in Washington, D.C. and trying to adjust to the modern world. But when a S.H.I.E.L.D. colleague comes under attack, Steve becomes embroiled in a web of intrigue that threatens to put the world at risk. Joining forces with the Black Widow, Captain America struggles to expose the ever-widening conspiracy while fighting off professional assassins sent to silence him at every turn. When the full scope of the villainous plot is revealed, Captain America and the Black Widow enlist the help of a new ally, the Falcon. However, they soon find themselves up against an unexpected and formidable enemy, the Winter Soldier. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. All right, guys. So we've gotten the, uh, I think the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, The music. We've gotten our feelings, our bad feelings about the music out of the way. And so I think we need to dive in a little bit more deep than that, because this film, I, I would say the, move, the the music didn't really take away from the film, even though no. I didn't like it. The film was very good on its own right. But this is one of those films, guys, where I walked out of the theater and I wasn't sure whether I liked it or not, which made me think I was going to like it, because usually films are like, I'm not sure if I like it or not. Uh-huh. Um, they're, they're, it, I wind up liking them. So I thought, OK, I'll, I'll probably like it. And I've kind of come around now to, to saying, OK, I've, I've gotten over my initial shock, because even though <laughs> I knew that this was supposed to be a, a like a, a a seismic shift is I think the word they've been using, even though I knew it was supposed to be like, it still kind of caught me off guard just how much it was. I, I, right. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, the shift you're referring to uh, is of course to agents of shield um, and sort of the, the back. Should we call the spoiler alert right at the beginning and right at the outset here? I mean, if we're going to talk about anything real, I mean, this this whole movie is a spoiler. So, 
Let's yeah. just say if you if you have not watched Captain America: The Winter Soldier yet, let's let's just just pause the podcast, you know, on your device, <laughs> leave it right there, go to the theater and watch it, and then come back and, and continue listening. Now, go ahead, Chad. The spoiler bell has been rung. Yes, <laughs> um, I think. I mean, Shield has obviously been the background of the entire Marvel universe. It's what brought everything in Phase One together. Uh, was uh, Coulson's cameos throughout uh, the films leading up to the Avengers, and now uh, Captain America sort of just destroyed Shield. Like it's it's not a thing anymore. Uh, Fury is not Director Fury anymore. He's just Nick Fury. Regular, regular non eye patch wearing citizen. I, I don't know, and so we, now we've got this this uh, TV show called Agents of Shield that doesn't have Shield. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I, I, that's one thing I can credit this movie with is that I I really wish I had been watching Agents of Shield because I kind of want to watch this new episode uh, tomorrow night just to see what happens. You haven't been watching Agents of Shield. I haven't. I I, I, I can't watch it live and I haven't uh, looked for it online yet. So Uh, it's on Hulu, man. Well, it's It's interesting. We had a, uh, we had a discussion about this right before we watched the movie. And uh, me and one of my friends who has also been watching shield, we, we kind of came to the same conclusion that shield isn't a really great show in our opinion. I know not TJ's opinion, but it's not a really great show, but it's slowly getting better. The problem with that is that since we knew that captain America was going to deal with shield a lot, um, there was a, a faction of people that were like, well, since this really deals with shield, it's going to make the show better. And we're kind of like, well, the, one of the biggest problems with shield is the fact that they never have well, besides one character, they really don't have superheroes on very much and they don't really push the story uh, very hard. And some of the special effects are very network television. And I think this movie is just going to make the show look even worse than it might actually be. And unfortunately, I think that was one of the unfortunate side or unfortunate consequences of watching this movie, because I think we were exactly right. I thought shield was getting better, but then I see what, a movie that had a lot to do with shield could be, or a story that had a lot to do with shield could be. And I'm, I'm pretty disappointed in, in the TV show right now. You, you're crazy. You're both, you're both crazy. You, you Chad for not watching it and you fizz for having that opinion. I, I couldn't disagree more. I, I would agree that shield's been getting better. I, I've never, I've never maintained that it was the best show I'd ever watched, but it, so it always has room to go up and it has been getting better. But um, I mean, you know, there, there's a couple of things. One of the sentiments that I've seen, is that well because and 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 this is confirmed like the, they knew that this shift in the universe was going to happen before they started uh, you know Agents of Shield how could they not have the the movie was basically written and in production when they started Agents of Shield so they knew the shift was going to happen and some people are saying well the show hasn't even really started yet because the start date happened before this but the the, the show's been waiting on this to happen in the Marvel universe and now it's going to get going and i can kind of see what they mean i mean cuz you can see that the show's been slowly positioning uh, things to, you know, like Coulson has really been kind of smelling a rat, you know, uh, in, in shield. Like he's, he's, he's not been very happy with what's been going on in shield and they've been hinting at subtle things about how things are going to shift. And obviously last week's episode really left, uh, left things kind of hanging. And, and this week, you know, (laughs) this week's episode obviously is probably going to be huge. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it if you can't tell. So, um, (laughs) Fizz, you 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 may quit watching the show now. I guess since no, you were so I, well, you know no, that's the thing. The movie. No, 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 no. That's the, that's the thing that 
I'm invested enough in the Marvel Universe, and I think enough people are, that we're all going to tune in. Well, not Tuesday, probably. You and I are going to tune in Wednesday. Right, yes. <laughs> um, it's you know, the day, but yes. The, the day after. Uh, and check it out. And, and I'm interested to see what happens, but I in no way imagine it's going to be like, uh, you know, three super hero type people taking down three helicarriers. No, and I don't think it has to be. In fact, I think to me that's the draw of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is it's not that. It's about something different. Well, and I want it to be, but when when I see S.H.I.E.L.D. action on one level, I mean, because even look at like the the chase scene with Nick Fury um, in, in, in The Winter Soldier. Like, we still haven't seen one action scene that could rival that in the entirety of the Agents of, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Does, series. But does everything have to be an action scene? Does it have to be an action scene to be good? It doesn't have to be, but I would assume over the course of what are we on like episode sixteen or so now? Uh, like there would have been maybe there, the next one is seventeen. Okay, there yeah. you go. Yeah, so good guess. Look at me. Um, who's watching <laughs> Shield? I'm apparently watching Shield. TJ doesn't even know what episode we're on because I'm so into it. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, but like you know, you're how can you have Agents of Shield without occasionally having like action scenes? And like I say, it's just I I don't expect necessarily there to be a production value that's movie budget. But I think when we continually have these films coming out during, you know, in the middle of a a season of a show that doesn't have that budget, it just keeps hearkening back to the fact that it's not quite on the same level. Suit yourself. I mean, but like I said, I'm going to continue watching it because I'm invested in the Marvel Universe. And I would suggest, Chad, in general, if you're invested in the Marvel Universe or anyone out there, it's worth checking out. It's better than a lot of network television shows. But as far as the best things that you could watch on cable TV, it probably doesn't really hold a candle to many of those things, in my opinion. Well, USA Today has some interesting something interesting to say about that. They're, they're, they're indicating that Hydra is going to become a big part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, which which kind of makes sense. I mean, I, I think that that could be interesting. Um, I don't know. Couldn't hurt. What do you think, Chad? What do you What do you think about all this? You, you're um, not watching well, Agents of Shield, so yeah, I, I'm not up to date, so I can't speak definitively on it either way. But um, I think adding that new element could make it better. I mean, yeah, but, I, but what I, do you I, know? I, what do you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what all I can say regarding the TV show. All right, well, we've been talking kind of uh, uh, tangentially about things that are related to Captain America, but we should get back on track toward Captain America, I think. Um, okay. What did you guys think of um, uh, the Captain America, the first Avenger? I, I know there, there's wide and varying opinions on this, uh, fi- on the first film. What did you guys think? I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. I think I saw it twice in theaters. I own it on Blu-ray. I'm staring at it fondly right now from my desk Mm -hmm. and uh (laughs) i don't know the first one was lots of fun uh tommy lee jones was great and the introduction of the character i thought worked really well um the the nostalgia of the film was where it needed to be considering the character and the content i mean um other than batman and superman captain america is one of the oldest comic book heroes he he's been around since the 1940s yeah um and i I really got that sort of nostalgia watching the first film. And I think that uh, people who say it's not very good are wrong. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Is, are you one of those wrong people? 
No, I actually basically from the start of Chad talking there, I think I can echo every single thing he said. I I saw it in the theaters twice. Uh, It was my it was at the time my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Um, I own it on Blu-ray. I'm staring at it right now. Uh, I I really, really loved it. I thought Tommy Lee Jones was great. Uh, I, I love the character. I, I think um, Captain America, to me, is someone who I didn't really... I mean, I didn't hate, but as far as like Marvel characters that I would have like named off the top of my head that I really liked, he wouldn't probably made my list. But then once I saw the movie and I learned more about Captain America um, as a superhero, as a character... Um, some of his history, I realized that to me, especially through the movie, I believe that he became what people used to like Superman for because he's just a good guy. Yeah. Um, And in a Marvel universe where most of the guys that are interesting are kind of either conflicted or the anti-hero or the reluctant hero. um, At the end of the day, as interesting as those guys can be, as interesting as Hulk or Iron Man, um, Thor in his weird way, you know, as much as those guys can be interesting or have compelling stories, I think ultimately we all want a hero. Um, And that's why, you know, Superman, even though it was not a very good movie, made a gazillion dollars last year. Um, (laughs) Because he's the classical American superhero. Well, he, he, yeah, he's just a good guy and we love to root for the good guy. Sure. It's more fun. It's more complex to root for the Tony Stark. You know, (laughs) we like to see him change or have a moral shift or, you know, like his compass just kind of does a 180. That's awesome. We love, we love redemption stories, but he's still Uh kind of a jerk. He's still kind of smug and he's funny. We like that. He's funny, Uh but we love that Captain America is a good guy. He is a hero. But I think Captain America has qualities of of uh, complexity to him as well. Uh, more so, I think, in the new movie than in the, the first Avenger, uh, because he's more now kind of a fish out of water and trying to find his place in the world. Uh, you know, and and try to figure out how he fits in with the Agents of Shield. Um, right. You know, well, or, I, or not. <laughs> well, yeah. I think he's well, conflicted, I think, but I don't think he his his character is not conflicted. No, that's true. Like, right. like his moral that, character is not conflicted. That's true. He always knows. He always knows exactly where he's headed, or he wants yeah. to know. You know, like what's what's the right thing. You know, we see this in the movie. He's like, oh, I just wanted to do good. I wanted to, you know, yeah, do what, his thing. What were you going to say, Chad? Yeah, that's basically what I was about to say. Uh, Captain America's complexities come from his conflict with his environment, with his surroundings and the people around him. Right. Whereas uh, Iron Man's or Tony Stark's are con- uh, complexities in his character and mm-hmm. the morality of his character, whether he sees himself as a hero or as a soldier or as somebody who is meant to help other people. Whereas Captain America has decided from even before the time he was Captain America, when he was just a scrawny little kid from Brooklyn that he wanted to help people and that he, he never wavers from that. And that's what differentiates him between all the other Avengers. You know, Hulk's conflict is internal, you know, I mean like they often make it external for action scenes, but he, the, his is internal. Tony Stark's is a character issue. Um, Hawkeye has to fight, um, some of his internal stuff. Uh, Black Widow is all internal. Definitely internal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so we have the, basically the leader of the Avengers is the only guy who is always striving for right. 
And, and I think both types of characters can work well, obviously. I mean, because they right. are working well. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I enjoy the, the complex characters, and I often say I enjoy them more, but I do enjoy Captain America as much as any of the other Avengers, at least the way he's being done right now, currently in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I don't know much about any of these characters outside of the MCU, to be honest. Um, I would say, you know, going back to Captain America, the first Avenger, it was it at the time when I saw it, it was my favorite film. Now, it's hard to divorce these things from the context in which they are in in your mind. Um, I had just watched Iron Man 2 when I saw Captain America, the first Avenger, <laughs> and it is uh, an unqualified disaster <laughs> of a movie. I mean, it's just it was it's easily the worst in the current crop of Marvel Cinematic films in my opinion and and so i was just just coming off the back end of that and then you know a week later or whatever and i was trying to get caught up and i had not seen uh either iron man 2 or captain america the first avenger in the theater this was pre uh, movie bite days and and sometimes my film budget just was expended and i couldn't do these things anyway um and so i was watching them a little bit kind of back to back i think like a week apart and so i just come off of watching iron man 2 and i watched captain america the first avenger and Loved it, and because and I, I was thinking after seeing Iron Man too, well, what is wrong with Marvel here? This, this, <laughs> what happened? What happened to the Iron Man? You know that I loved that first Iron Man movie, and I loved, you know, contrary to popular opinion, I loved the Hulk film, uh, the Incredible Hulk. And no, big what, fan. What's that? I, I love the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. Okay, I thought, it was a, I thought it was a great movie. You and me are one of are two of the ten people in the world. Uh, I wouldn't say I love it, but I like it well enough. Yeah. So so anyway, I just wondered what had happened to Marvel with Iron Man 2, and then here comes Captain America the First Avenger, and I loved it. I loved everything about it. It it did not feel like it had to uh, jump out and, and be front and center with the action. It took its time to tell a good story. There was some action. There was a lot of that, you know, nostalgia for the old old days. There was the the you know, even though he's, you know, been in, basically infused with these muscles and this power and this these abilities, he's his character remained true to himself. It's it's what we would hope. Like you said, I think, and I'm just saying it in a different way, it's what we would hope we would be if we were suddenly given, you know, power or wealth or whatever, that we would remain true to our character. Now, I think, you know, over time, it's been proven that that doesn't typically humans don't remain true to those things, those those ideals like they wish they would if they're suddenly thrust with power or, or whatever or responsibility. Sometimes they just don't. Um, so I think Captain America represents what we hope that we are. And I think that's his appeal, at least to me. So I, that, all that to say, I loved Captain America, the first Avenger. It is now currently my third favorite in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Avengers being still my favorite, Captain America 2 now being my second uh, favorite. So, um, so can, off of, can, can you rattle off a list? Can you rattle? Like, can you put them all in order real quick? Mm, I may have already done this. I, I probably can. <laughs> so Avengers... Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, um, do, 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 Iron Man, probably, um, boy, this is, this is maybe not, I, I probably need to sit and think about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm opening up a Word document so I can work on my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then again, Thor, the Dark World was, was very good. Iron Man 3 was also very good. I, I would, oh man, geez, see, I would almost say that uh, for different reasons, though, Iron Man and Iron Man 3 are about as you know equally good in my mind. So it, this is just such a hard list to compile in that way. I know what my top couple are, and then it just gets muddy. Except for you know Thor was not great, and and then at the bottom of the list would be Iron Man two. That's all I can tell you. 
Well, you've basically gone through the entire list, except you didn't put the the Incredible Hulk in there anywhere. Oh, and, and he's up there. Um, it, my only problem, in it, retroactively, it has gone down a little because they've recast the character and because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. On its own, The, the Incredible Hulk is uh, a very good film. And actually... I know you kind of waffled there towards the end and said some of them may have stacked up against each other, but if you l- list what you just had in the order that you listed them, I think our li- lists are almost exactly the same. Okay. Cause I have Avengers at the top, even still. Yep. Uh, I agree. It took, it took a second watching to be sure of it, but the winter soldier is second, uh, followed by the first Avenger. So, so you, you flop those two, which is understandable. No, no, no the, the wait, no, the Winter Soldier is still my second favorite. And uh, oh, oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, and then the first, then Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay, I think you said that backwards the first time, maybe. Um, and or I heard it backwards. Uh, I might have said it backwards. Uh, and then Iron Man. I think Iron Man is the hands down the best Iron Man film. Well, and it it, um, it set the tone for the entire universe, so it, it gets points for that too. It does. Uh, I would say that I would follow that up with Thor, the dark world. I thought there were, there were elements of Thor that were, I mean, we talked about this on the Thor podcast, not to rehash it, but there were elements that I think they could have done better. But overall Thor, the dark world was really engaging and really well done on many levels. Um, then I would probably put Iron Man three after it for the exact same reasons. They're part of it. I really didn't enjoy, but there were some of the themes and things they tackled and expanse of the universe and character that I thought were great. Followed by the incredible Hulk, then Thor and then Iron Man two. And I'm not, I put Iron Man two at the bottom and I want to say this. I don't think it was a complete wreck as TJ saying, and I understand <laughs> we're going to disagree about that. Um, I, I think they, they left what really made Iron Man work. And that was the, really the development of Iron Man as a character, Tony Stark as a character, but it still had some pretty cool action scenes. And I like a lot of the performances in it. Uh, I mean, not not as strong a story, but compared to lots of other movies, I still like Iron Man two more. Just unfortunately, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think, is pretty strong. Yeah, well, I think, and that's the thing. I'm overstating my case, and and you you know you're kind of stacking up against the other Marvel films, exactly. And it just feels like like this thing out here that's like, uh, ugh, I can't believe that's part of this cohesive universe, and it's sitting off over here being stupid. Uh, I like (laughs) like Mickey Rourke so much. I'm like, ah, he was so completely wasted in that film i, I do th- and and uh sam rockwell yeah. also also wasted in that was film. sam rockwell in that film mm-hmm. yeah he was uh he was Hammer. the oh, justin Hammer. Right. yeah 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 of course of course Duh. and he was so he was so good but like in, in a storyline that kind of didn't really take i think uh it wasn't exactly in line with what we would expect from an iron man film yeah i agree all right, so, uh chad you you're I, I can hear you over there dying to rattle off your list you've been working on it in your word <laughs> yes, document now Okay, opening up another program to make Windows more unstable again, so you'll have to reconnect. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so like you two, I've got the Avengers first, and then Captain America: The Winter Soldier second. Uh, Then I'm putting the first Iron Man film, understandable, followed followed Mm -hmm. by uh, Thor: The Dark World, and Mm. then I've got Iron Man three and Cap, the first Captain America on about even terms i don't know if i could really pick there's, one over the other there's just no i i don't i can't accept and i don't know tj uh, let him finish his list you're right you're <laughs> right i'm sorry I'm not, being, I'm not being a good host go ahead chad <laughs> thank you and then uh i've also got thor and the incredible hulk on a pretty even level i i need to rewatch both of them to 
before I can officially decide, but at the bottom is Iron Man 2. Now can the jury make a ruling? Yes, I yes, mean, go ahead, you've heard him out now. Tell <laughs> um, me how wrong I am. <laughs> you, you, I cannot accept that you have um, uh, Iron Man 3 over Captain America, the first Avenger. That is just no, unacceptable. I have, I have them even. But, but, but it should be way above. I mean, I would, I would also agree with, unfortunately, TJ here. It, it almost hurts me to say it. But I, and actually, I would probably put Captain America, the first Avenger, and Iron Man. After I watch either of those films, I would put it right now as my third favorite film. But then I watch the other one, and I would put it as my third favorite film. Um, and which, I just which, which two again? I'm, I'm confused. Uh, the Captain America, the first Avenger, and the first Iron Man movie. Okay, uh, that, that, um, that's, yeah. that they're really mm-hmm. they're really close to me. Um, in which and I've, I've just seen the first Avenger last. So okay, it, so right it, now uh, it's current. So right, and uh, and like I said, I just enjoy the story. I think it, uh, they both uh, have very sentimental moments, and they both have very powerful um, overcoming moments and character realization stories that I think really work and are earned. But all right, guys. Well, we need we need we really need to at this point dive in deeper into Captain America two, which is what we're ostensibly here to talk about. Is okay. Captain America the Winter Soldier? The Inkslinger has made a ruling, guys. He says the Winter Soldier is a twelve ounce steak, next to which the Avengers is a jar of Gerber baby food. <laughs> Your move, Mister Whedon. Yeah, t- uh, uh, Corey has a tendency to overstate things a little you bit. You think? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't have that problem. <laughs> I mean, this is coming from the guy who gave World War Z five stars. Yeah, oh my! We, we someday we'll talk about that, but <laughs> we have to have a chat with him about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah World War Z is a fine film, but uh, yeah, I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it too. But I don't know if oh, it me was too. five. St- but th- that's the thing. I I don't really. I really, really enjoyed this movie. And like I said, well, I watched it the second time and it only got better. Yeah, I want to um, see it again. I don't know that I'm going to get to, but... Yeah, I've already um, seen it twice as well. And I love the chances that they took and yes. the, the depth. And I feel like it does just as much for the Marvel Cinematic Universe as the Avengers does, which is uh, which I also think is great. Um, and especially for a film that's focused on one character, not the entire team. Yeah, and that's but, it's very interesting that that they did that too because like you you kind of feel like I think I was unconsciously feeling like okay, yes, these movies are good and I love them, but they're kind of filling in the blanks between Avengers films and the Avengers films are where stuff really happens in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they've just completely blown that sort of thinking out of the water even if we didn't realize we were thinking that. Like right. they've just kind of like you said this effect you're right this does affect the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would say more than the Avengers even though I like the Avengers a little better. I think it's it's had a bigger impact on the universe than Avengers did. It, it's enti- yeah, it's entirely possible because the Avengers wrapped up uh uh, uh I guess a softer storyline. Yes. Even though it's pointing towards a much much bigger storyline down the road. Um it still was only wrapping up, wrapping up. I, I would say like a subplot of, of a greater story. Whereas uh, Captain America deals with something that's intertwined. I think Chad mentioned it at the beginning. Uh, something that basically is the backbone of the Avengers to a certain degree. You know that there's Nick Fury and Colston kind of you know cameos at the end of all the Marvel films are are what brought this Avengers movie into existence. Right. And I think one of the challenges of all the individual uh, superhero movies, how do you have something that's 
grand in scale, yet wouldn't require all the Avengers to show up to. Yeah, uh, and and even though that's a little bit of a complaint, like, geez, guys, Shield is is burning to the ground here, and you got Hydra. You'd think the Avengers would show up. That's still a little bit present in the back of my mind, but it's not as big a thing as as you might think. Well, and I think that's one of the things that this movie does really well, um, because because they like like the like the uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. What it does is it takes like a period piece and fuses it with a superhero twist. Uh, what the new movie, the, the Captain America, the Winter Soldier does is takes a spy thriller and infuses it with a superhero twist because we're constantly unraveling these layers and layers of betrayal and spy games and, you know, uh, whatnot, backstabbing and backroom deals and all this stuff. Like there's never really a good opportunity where you're like, man, they really should have called in Iron Man. Yeah, that's uh, true. But, like when I watched Thor the Dark World, on the other hand, one of my complaints was, okay, something just like attacked London. All right. Where is and Iron Man? And it's you. I was like, where, where's the Hulk? You know, where's Iron Man? You right. know, where, where are all these people that, you know, where, why Captain America? I know he's Captain America, but he could have been Captain London just for that. You know, he should have been over there. <laughs> I, like, I don't understand. You know, Shield should have been involved or more involved. I, I don't, it's hard for you to have a world changing event. Without having some like how in Iron Man three do you have like a terrorist conspiracy and Captain America is not involved somehow? Yeah. I guess we te- I guess we technically have learned because if the terrorist conspiracy was really run by Hydras subliminally, then they probably wouldn't have had Shield interfere. But I mean, so this is another reason why Captain America: The Winter Soldier dealing with a Shield conspiracy it it pushes conspiracy all the way back down the Marvel universe. And sets the tone for everything in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And I, it, it's cool that they finally turned the tables on uh, Fury, too, because, you know, one of the themes of the first Avengers film is uh, whether the Avengers can trust Nick Fury or not. Right. Because he's, he's keeping this huge secret. He's dealing in hydro weapons um, in the Avengers, um, and they don't know whether they can trust him with that because it's the same issue where uh, it's pointing a gun at somebody and calling it freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so having the tables turned on him here where he has somebody that he trusted, uh, turn the, t- uh, I don't want to say turn the tables again because that doesn't make sense. Um, but to betray him, uh, it, it was a really powerful moment when you realize, Oh wow, this guy, uh, who he's known for a long time, who gave him his job is not who he said he was. Right. Yeah. And you know, uh, I took a superhero class a couple of years ago uh, just for fun. And um, one thing we talked about was how it was hard to make a Superman film that was still relevant because Superman was a character who was introduced in the thirties during the great depression. And he was a hero that was needed during that time. And with the first Captain America film, we saw a hero that was needed for that time. And so I think part one of the concerns might've been for this film, how do you fit, a character from the forties into the new millennia. And they answer that by bringing back the same, uh, the same villain essentially in an entirely believable and compelling way. They fused the issues of the Avengers with the issues of Captain America and brought them all present day. Yeah. And, and I wasn't actually, you know, hearing it from without having seen the film, you might think, Oh, that would be disappointing. Whereas we need a new plot line. We don't need to go back to the old one, but that's not what this film does. It, it's a no. new plot line with the same enemy, just, but, but 
in a much more sinister way, you know, in, 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 in tearing down everything, you know, that you thought you stood for. Um, speaking of Man of Steel, you know, and, and him being birthed in the 30s and Captain America coming from like the 40s or whatever, um, I, there, there's, I've read a couple of comparisons and actually I was listening to a podcast where they're making that comparison where, you know, you, basically Captain America is the Man of Steel of the Marvel Universe. And it's a, yeah. it's a very interesting comparison. I mean, you know, Captain America, very patriotic and American, you know, Man of Steel, you know, Superman was originally, you know, uh, fighting for just truth, justice in the American way, you know, and and uh, they've kind of tried to excise that from Superman recently. But but that's kind of what where he was birthed. So so it's very interesting to watch and see that, you know, DC struggle and fumble with this same superhero type of person, you know, their their version of this. And and they're kind of fumbling the ball, and you know Marvel is taking Captain America and made him have broad, wide appeal. Uh, you know, one of the things about Captain America: The Winter Soldier is it's very, very politically savvy. I think it. You mm-hmm. know, I, it'll be interesting to see just how relevant Captain America: The Winter Soldier stays. I want to think that it will stay relevant, but it is also very, very um, serving the current climate, if you will. It's it's a, it's in a post Edward Snowden. Uh, kind of a, <laughs> a a theme going on here where you believe completely and totally the shadowy elements of shield going on that Captain America would have to take on and right. uh it it just it works very well in this climate i think that's part of its appeal to so many people right now i think uh something that's kind of amusing to me um is that anytime you make a movie that's this blatant has any kind of political theme whether it's pro this or con this whenever you can finally make a movie that talks so openly about relevant discussions that are going on um i guess that doesn't mean relevant relevant political commentary uh people are going to see it from both sides of like the political aisle and and i remember getting redirected to this one page who said um Unfortunately, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is just more Hollywood liberal trash trying to brainwash uh, America's youth. Um, Where do they get un- that? Yeah, well, hold on. This is great. This is great. Okay. Um, I said, unlike Man of Steel, which had amazing themes about fatherhood and doing good in the face of evil. Um, yeah, I know. It's laughable. It said um, it said Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I, wanna, I almost want to quote this, but... I don't want to because then I have to go find the link and then I would end up putting it in the show notes and I don't want anyone to ever click on this article. (laughs) Exactly. Um, uh, It says it introduces from the very first words uh, about its uh, uh, liberal agenda when Captain America's first words are on the left, which are an obvious call to the left side being the right side. (laughs) Um, And uh, it, I'm it coming up on your left. I'm running yeah. beside you on your left. Um, that's a t- call to the left. Uh, that, that's their leftist agenda. Um, and then it, and then it goes on to talk about how the the only soldiers he meet are all people who regret being soldiers, which I think is a little bit of a stretch. That's a huge stretch. Um, and they're like, you know, they're all like depressed and they have problems because apparently defending freedom is depressing. And I'm like, I don't know what movie you watch, dude. Um, but, but when we talk about political or, you know, things that are politically savvy, that's always one of my favorite things to go to, because like I said, there's people on one side who see it as, you know, this is finally a manifesto for people, uh, 
realizing that the government has too much power. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, the Nazis basically created the NSA according to, you know, uh, the winter soldier, you know, and then the other side of it, like, you know, I just kind of read off in the, well, so it's, it's, it's just so awesome when it, when things are so in your face, how people take that and just run with it. Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't think it's any surprise to anyone. It's been mentioned before on this podcast. And if you read any of my writing, if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, I bleed conservatism. Uh, maybe not your traditional conservatism. I would say I'm way more conservative than that. But the, the point is, I thought that the brilliance of Captain America, the first Avenger, was that it had appeal to both sides of our current political structure, our, our current political aisle, if you will, where I don't think that there's anybody on either side. Well, okay. I don't think there's many on either side. <laughs> Obviously, there are some on, on the conservative side, at least. I don't think there's many on either side that would have a problem with the themes of Captain America, and yet it is still a politically, uh, a, a politically charged film. I thought that was the brilliant. I, I did not imagine, uh, even though that's naive of me, there's got to be somebody out there who would argue exactly what you were saying, Fitz, yeah. but, but I did not imagine that people would have a problem with this. Well, that's the, that's kind of the, like I said, the beauty of it. I mean, you're always going to have the, the overtly loud minority who are going to take things and, and, uh, I mean, you, you'll see this next week when you do know it, you're going to have, uh, a very loud minority and you're going to have a majority of rational minded people who are going to go see Captain America and be like, wow, that was, that made a lot of good points kind of no matter what what I personally believe. Right. You know, uh, that made, right. that brought up a lot of good questions. And I think that's another uh, thing that adds not to, like I said, once again, I don't agree with Corey uh, to his, you know, to his <laughs> intensity, Ger- Gerber baby I, food. <laughs> I, I do believe that that, that does give this movie a lot of, uh, a lot of weight, a lot of meat adds a couple ounces to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. So yeah, that, I mean that's obviously the big standout about a Captain America is it's it's essentially it's it's political nature and 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 you know the the whole shadowy shield thing has very you know very much relevance today. Um, but I think there were some other great things about this film. Um, you know, there's a little bit we get just a little bit more of Black Widow. I mean, she was pretty good in this film. I still wish that we could have like a Black Widow film, uh, but you know we'll see if that ever comes to pass. It, it may not, but. Um, you know, I think she was given just a little, you know, she had to make some sacrifices to bring shield down, uh, but she knew it was the right thing. And so she did. And I, I found that theme, uh, uh, a good theme, you know, and, and, and I love the contrast of, you know, Captain America, the, the good, you know, the boy, the boy scout who, who always wants to do everything right. And you've got, um, black widow who, who thinks she's doing everything, you know, right as she, but in, in her way, which is different from captain America's, which is she's a spy. She does shady things, you know? Right. I, I, I love the contrast to that. Well, I was going to say, I do too. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about the movie because, um, I really enjoyed the fact that like we mentioned before, captain America is good. And the way to make a good movie about a good character is, not to try to give them internal conflict that doesn't make sense. It's to try to put pit them against their environment and try to rise and be good when everyone's telling them they have to not be good. Right. Um, and there was this, there was a review over at collider.com um, that I wish I would have written, but it basically summed up exactly how I felt when I left the movie. And, and it said, Captain America, the winter soldier could have made the character more twisted and melodramatic, 
by plunging him into a darker, more complex world. Instead, Captain America isn't corrupted by the present day. He's not even tested. His innate goodness is a beacon. It's a bulwark against corruption. The Winter Soldier celebrates the good guy. Yeah. And that is the reason that I love this movie. Um, yeah. They they did Captain America right. I think one a good contrast. Uh, do, do you either of you watch the sh- TV show Revolution? No, no. It's probably better at this point. You're better that, off. That's the one where like they they're like no, there's no power right, and everyone has like perfectly coiffed hair and clean clothes. <laughs> it's not quite like that, but yes, I right. Get, that, that, that's the one you're referring to. Yes. Okay. Um. No. So there was this character, uh, a, a teenage girl named Charlie, and in the first season, you know, she's a very innocent, and naive girl, a little whiny, always annoyed me a little in that way, but very kind of naive and innocent, and, and kind of almost innately good. Well, the way they've dealt with that and made her character grow in the second season is now she's very cynical, and uh, you know, she sleeps around now, whereas you know, like she, I mean, it just was unhurt. You, you would, if if you'd known Charlie from the first season, you're like, what? You know, and and just all the, you know, she's just very uh, cynical and and just, you know, hates everybody and and, and everybody's stupid and I don't know. And so, I mean, that's the direction that typically I think um, uh, many uh, lesser writers like are on Revolution right now uh, would have gone with the character of Captain America. Well, now he's in the real world and we've just he's going to get cynical and mean and gritty and dirty. And, you know, Christopher Nolan <laughs> had gotten a hold of him. <laughs> you know, that may, may not be a good thing. Worked well for Batman. That's the thing. I don't think Christopher Nolan would do that to every superhero. I, I'm using that glibly. But but. Yeah. I, I think that too many people want to paint superheroes now with with this Batman brush, and 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 I'm so glad that that Marvel's not doing that with, for instance, Captain America. So, well, like I said, it's it's really popular right now. The antihero is probably the pinnacle of entertainment. Um, like the Iron Man movies. I mean, as well as Captain America is doing, Iron Man three did better. Um, right. at least to, at least at this point. Well, we'll see. I, like I said, at this point. Iron Man three has done better than Captain America has. Uh, if you ask people like what their favorite TV shows are, most of them are going to say things like breaking bad or Dexter or house of cards, house of cards, which I love. So yeah, you know, true right detective there with was amazing that, that all these are, are anti heroes. Um, it's, it's the, just the, the bees knees of entertainment right now. <laughs> people, people want, flawed heroes that they can relate to or that they can feel better than, or that they always know what the better decision is than the character. And it's really popular. And I think it's honestly a little bit easier to do. I think it's really hard. And I think we saw this again when, when Zack Snyder tried to make man of steel last year, I know some people enjoyed it and I, some people some people enjoyed it, whatever. But <laughs> I think making a really good character not boring is a really great feat. And when done well, I think people are insanely attracted to it because it's what they really want. Yep. So, in my opinion. Chad, you've been awfully quiet over there. He has. Uh, uh, y'all have been talking about all this political stuff and <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as for a while now. I'm, I'm not as learned. Um, but, uh, I, I, I mean, I really like the movie too. Uh, 
Okay. Well, maybe this is our segue to talk about more uh, technical aspects of the movie or something. And, yes. and Chad, you warned me about this, and you were absolutely right. It's one of the things I think that that keeps it from being an Avengers level film. Where in the Avengers, um, I felt like I could follow pretty much all the action that was going on. Anthony and Joe Russo took a very uh, born identity two approach to the cinematography, and uh, even, I don't think even it was a, nearly that bad. Mm, probably not, yeah. but I, I have no love for uh, you know. There, there were times when that action, you know, they like the really close up shots and they love to shake that camera, and it's just hard to follow the action. And there's just nothing that um, makes up for a lack of good choreography. I mean, shaky cam does not an action movie make. I can't, yeah, well, I can't stress that enough. I, it really caught me off guard the first time I watched it, uh, especially in that opening scene on the uh, Lumerian star, the ship. Um, yes. And yeah, everything was- is just moving so fast. And it, it was a little bit difficult for me to follow. But on a second viewing, I thought that uh, it really did keep it moving a lot better. I, I, I didn't feel like it was hard to follow. Uh, mm. It just felt fast. I, I think for me, the thing is, I, I think I was I was trying to see if I could see it. And I think that the movie had good choreography. It's just that it was obscured by this overused camera technique. And and I, it, that just frustrates me. Like if you if you take a, a cinematic technique, shaky cam has its place. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I mean, it, it can really work well. But you take the cinematic technique and make it the star of your action scenes. And, and suddenly you have something that's no longer a technique. It's it's a thing that's in your face, and and that just bothers me. Yeah. While while I conceptually agree with your shaky cam theory, I think this is a really bad example of shaky cam ruining a movie. I, I think most of the action no. scenes in this movie are the the shaky cam ones are very very few. Most of the fight scenes we get, besides things like uh, him on the uh, the ship. And maybe him in the elevator. It's like uh, a straight cam view of him fighting the main bad guy on the ship. It's like a a third person view of him destroying uh, a ship, uh, destroying an airplane. I mean, you I'll know, admit the stuff on the ship was certainly better. But I'm talking about a lot of the action on the ground. The first couple, certainly the action in the in the boat, and and then there were some action scenes when the Winter Soldier really starts blowing stuff up. You know, they're up on the bridge and stuff, and that and they even use a technique there called uh, high shutter speed. Uh, that's that's an in camera technique. You know, you, you have a really high shutter speed, and it simulates a high frame rate, which just makes it look stroby and awful. So, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Didn't notice. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't notice I did, that at and all. It, it bothered me. Um, I thought both of the main newcomers here were pretty outstanding, and uh, I'm, of course, I'm referring to Anthony Mackie as the Falcon and uh, mm-hmm. Robert Redford as an awesome villain. Yeah, Anthony Mackie was outstanding. No, no doubt about that. Um, I really, he really just sort of fit right in. Like you know, just and he, it's like kinda, he was always there. Yeah, and he just yeah. you know he, he opened up the film. You know, on your left. You know, on your left. Don't say it <laughs> on your left. You know, I, I love that scene. And it's like, yeah, I'm I'm Steve Rogers. I figured I I kind of figured that out. You know, <laughs> um, and, and so that was great. I would have to disagree with you, Chad, with um, with Robert Redford. I felt like he was extremely underutilized. Um, he didn't have hardly anything to do in this film. And, and like seems to be the trouble in the Marvel Universe in general, I would say, is that the villains kind of, except for Loki, 
uh, tend to lack a little bit of characterization. I mean, certainly look at Iron Man 2. Uh, Mickey Rourke's character was severely undercharacterized. Um, you know, I, I I just like like uh, Hydra even. Uh, what, uh, what's the guy's name that was the lead of Red Hydra? Skull. What's Red that? Skull? Red Skull. Red he, Skull. He felt like a, a caricature as well. And and I just I feel like that it tends to tends to be not always again there's Loki but there tends to be a bit of a weakness with the villains in the Marvel universe that and I don't think this is an exception I feel like they didn't really give us too much of a reason why he was a villain he just was I feel like there's plenty of reasons for him to be the villain but I think since we did not get to spend a lot of time with uh, Alexander Pierce right which which is Robert Redford's character yes um, yeah that. It, I wouldn't say he was a bad villain, but when he was on screen, he has so much like screen, pre- like gravitas. I don't want to even say presence. It's like gravitas. Yeah. Like yeah. he, he is obviously more important than everyone else on the screen right. to the point <laughs> where sometimes it was amazing that he was in this movie. And sometimes I was like, he doesn't really fit the tone. Right. I think that's what movie. I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wish we could have seen him more, maybe like in a some kind of cameo in like Iron Man three or something yeah, yeah. like that. And, and if they had sprinkled him a little bit in and, and they didn't know what was, you know, maybe at the times, although they could have sprinkled him in, I think, in, in Thor and in um, uh, Iron Man three. Like you said, Iron Man three, if we even just have a quick cameo or drop in or even a post credit scene with Nick Fury talking to Alexander Pierce Mm-hmm. I think it would have worked better. But as it is, they kind of dropped him in in one movie. And, and, and spoiler alert, and we've already talked spoiler alert. So and then they've killed him off in one movie and we never really or have they. Yeah, well, I think I think it's I mean, you know, <laughs> bullet, too, bullet, but... th- bullet through the heart. I mean, although they brought Coulson back, but and they brought Fury back. Well, yeah, Fury, no, Fury was never actually dead. <laughs> well, he did get shot three times with like a high powered rifle from fairly close range. Which, not really sure. Which does bring up another complaint, um, and that is that I feel like we're starting to get to the point where when somebody dies in the Marvel Universe, I don't believe you. Um, yeah, but I think that's setting up Avengers Age of Ultron perfectly because an Avenger is going to die, I think, is how pretty – well, I mean, okay. I think it's pretty widely accepted that Joss Whedon is going to kill an Avenger. At least I've seen that It's high time around. for him to – yeah, and so these now that we've killed quote unquote two characters and they haven't been dead, I think he's trying to set up that Three, expectation on two. No, you're right, two. Sorry, go ahead. He's trying to set up that expectation on purpose. So when an Avenger dies, we're thinking, ah, he, he, he's he's not really gone, right? And then and then we're devastated. And if that's the payoff, that that might work. Although I think they've carried it a little too far because, like, look at Coulson again. I think Gabriel Green, who commented on my Facebook post a few days ago, is is a little bit nuts when he's saying they should should have just let him die. Well, then we wouldn't have Angels of Shield. I, I agree a little bit in principle, but it just I, I think that was a good case of bringing him back. But now now going on with Loki, where you you thought he was dead, and and now all of a sudden he's not. And and now now you're sitting there going okay you know and we also know with Coulson that you can bring him back in a, in a later movie or a TV show or whatever. Now I don't believe you even after the film's over, you know. Yeah. I just think they've gone a little too far with it now. Oh man. Okay. So here's the thing. In the next Avengers movie, we're going to have a lot of extra Avengers. 
than we had in the first one. Well, Quicksilver, you, Scarlet Witch. You know. You're going to have the Vision. Um, and the thing okay. with the Vision is the Vision, uh, I'd have to go look this up to be absolutely sure, but it's something similar to like he is created and he does not actually have like personality um, or like human characteristics. Oh, there's going to be a comic book person who's going to hate me or correct me for this, but it's something to the effect of he basically absorbs someone who dies um, and it gives him some type of life and brings the vision from like being an Android type character to life. And I'm like, that's a really great way to kill somebody in the Avengers to give life to the vision. Since you already said the Vision's going to be in it. Right. Um, and it would separate Ultron from the vision. Um, both being robots soulless kind of things. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm kind of on board with, they're going to kill somebody, but I really don't know who they would kill. That's a mainstay that has their own series. Um, unless they kill cap and then bring him back. And well, that's a good possibility. Movie. Again, we're way in spoiler territory. I can't stress this enough, but, um, I I've seen speculation about Bucky Barnes because apparently he has been captain America in some version of the comics. Bucky Barnes has, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that and and they have a big nine picture deal with Sebastian Stan, who is Bucky Barnes, and that's uh, we can get to that in a minute. Um, so so it's possible they're positioning him to become Captain America and kill Captain America in the Avengers. That's that's a very real possibility. Well, let me get us back on track by saying this. Um, I think the fact that we have we have been reviewing Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and we have barely at all talked about the Winter Soldier is one of my biggest complaints about this movie. Yes. Yeah. You, you sensed um, where I was going with that. Uh, so I, there were, there were two things that I wanted uh, more of in a movie that I think I enjoyed more the second time because there was so much like crammed into this movie, even though it was two hours long and it didn't really feel like two hours. No, not at all. Um, no. They tried to do so much that I don't think they spent time doing a couple things that I would have really preferred. Or I think that they hinted at one is, really developing that loss or conflict between the winter soldier and uh, Captain America or, you know, Bucky Barnes and Steve Rogers. Right. Right. Um, And we saw for a movie about the winter soldier, him actually being in the movie. It's like the first transformers movie, like having transformers in it only about a third of the time. Um, you know, like that's not what your movie, your movie's called that. Have the I, thing in it. I really want you to get away from the Transformers before I start I understand. talking about it. <laughs> I understand that. Um, I'm, this is just like similarly. So uh, there was that and the fact that he, they were hinting at Captain America, like kind of settling down and finding some piece of permanency, which is usually can be uh, a, a good metaphor for that is finding a, uh, a, not a spouse necessarily, but like a girlfriend or like a love interest. Yeah. And I'm not sure whether they were trying to either flesh out the character of black widow or trying to build like tension between him and black widow, or like they did a really good job in their first scene together with him and agent 13, um, or, uh, Kate Carter, uh, his next door neighbor. Um, but then later it seemed like she was really into captain America and I'd really just wasn't feeling it. Um, uh-huh. Because they, well, they didn't spend more time there. Apparently that character is a relative of Peggy Carter. Or should be a relative of uh, uh, Peggy Carter. But they but she's yeah. only listed as Kate. Uh, and I prematurely refer to her as Kate Carter. Um, 
Yeah, and so, since they never mentioned the actual name in the movie, who knows where they, they could change it. And so there's no canon involved, even though it mm-hmm. may have been written in the script. It does not necessarily right. canon. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Bucky Barnes. Uh, I, I, I don't know what Sebastian Stan was trying to communicate in that role, but it wasn't working, whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I didn't feel anything for him or for the relationship. And, and my wife says to me when we're walking out of theater, love the movie, but... Why was it called the Winter Soldier? He it wasn't about him, and he was barely in it, and it, he was just sort of circumstantial. Uh, I, I feel the same way. I, I feel like they were trying to do something with Bucky, and it was only because I understood what they were trying to do with Bucky that I kind of went along with it. Um, I don't think it was actually fleshed out very well. Yeah, but the movie was already two hours and like ten minutes long. Yeah, but it's just like it's called the Winter Soldier. I, I guess I just wanted something more. Like, like the whole thing seemed incidental and circumstantial, and and uh, whoop de doo, you know. And in the end, like it didn't even matter. Like, I, well, I mean, it did matter because he saved him. But kinda, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah he well, was the reason there was, he was that, there. But there was that fight on the bridge where. Uh, Steve realizes that it's Bucky. And then they only have one more confrontation after that. Yeah. It, it felt unfulfilling. That's the word I'm looking for. It was unfulfilling it, as, as a plot device. Yeah. yeah. I thought I thought his action scenes were pretty s- satisfying, but other than that, you're, you're, we're all saying the same thing. The, the character wasn't what he needed to be. The There were two really emotional, or what were intended to be really emotional scenes in this film, I think. The first, the first one uh, was when he was talking to Ke- uh, Peggy. Yes, um, I, I may or may which not. Is, which is kind of heartbreaking. I, I may or may not have needed a, 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 my handkerchief during that scene. <laughs> I mean, it was rough. Um, and then I think a second one that they were trying to aim for um, was the moment when Steve realizes, "Hey, this is Bucky. This is my best friend. This is a kid I grew up next door to all my life." And uh, it, it didn't carry the emotional weight that they wanted it to. Nope. Um, I'd almost say that the the death of Nick Fury was more emotional. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that that was the other point at which I may or may not have, have needed my hanky. Uh, it would have been if we all didn't know that Nick Fury wasn't really dead. No, oh, yeah. I, I, I I thought he could have been. Um, no. I, 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 I was torn about it. I was like, well, he might not be. But then it's like, well, I guess he really is, you know, no. like I said, iffy, because, <laughs> you know, there's been people, you know, we've already kind of covered this ground, but I was a little iffy. And and that turns out he's not. So, you know, uh, yeah, that that was a little frustrating. But the only person dumb enough to kill Samuel L. Jackson is George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> just thrust him off the uh, force lightning him out the window. Oh gosh! <laughs> uh, wrong. Anyway, we're not reviewing that movie today. We could we could spend a couple hours on that alone. Um, yeah. So I mean. It, <sighs> Well, okay, look at this. So we've been, you know, I ultimately wanted to slightly show why um, Corey was wrong. Um, or at least is <laughs> it's a little inaccurate, I think, uh, or exaggerative to, to have said what he said about, you know, a 12 ounce versus baby uh, baby food. Um, there In the Avengers, though it did not have the implications that this obviously does for the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, the Avengers did not waste characters. I don't think it wasted time. Right. Everyone I think was fleshed out in an amazing way, which is even more impressive when you're talking about that many a list characters. 
Right. Um, it was funny. It was serious and it was sad. Um, and while I think that Captain America has a lot of those, or the winter soldier has a lot of those elements. There were things that by trying to be a huge movie in a single character film, it changed the Marvel cinematic universe, but it ultimately did not do it perfectly. Yeah. Although I was going to say, you, you, what were the three things that you listed for the Avengers? It was funny. It was serious and it was sad. Well, those are three things. I mean, that's all three of those are present in Captain America. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. While Captain America does have those elements, it also wastes characters. It, I think, rushes a story. It doesn't give us enough time with every character. The Avengers give us the perfect amount of time with every character. That's true. It introduces Hawkeye. It reintroduces Black Widow and the Hulk. Um, everyone gets their little moment to shine. It's funny. We have tension. Um, everyone gets the perfect amount of screen time. Uh, there's no relationships that I wish I would have seen a lot more of in the Avengers. Um, the movie was a great length. The, the story brought everyone together. It it was a defining moment because it's obviously going to change the Marvel cinematic universe by creating an Avengers team. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm on board with you. I I, I understand. There was one line though, that was given to Nick Fury and Captain America, the winter soldier that I thought that, Joss Whedon must cer- certainly have written because it's like a, a line you would have thought of being in the Avengers. And that was when he says, and you wonder why I have trust issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like I said, there were, there were, there were really funny moments in, in the winter soldier. And I was, um, before we get started, does anybody want to get out? Yeah, <laughs> it, it was, it was clever at times. I, I just, I really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I, I did want but to mention. But it's not the Avengers. Yeah, you, I mean you're right, and I and ultimately I agree. Um, I, and I wanted to mention just a couple more things that I, I had a problem with in Captain America: The Winter Soldier. And and the big thing for me, and I'm kind of torn about this, and and that's the Zola scene. Uh, on the one hand, I like it because it is a massive info exposition dump that the audience needs, but done in a way. That is interesting and and not boring and not just two characters going, oh yeah, the thing and we had to do the thing because of the thing and oh well it's, it's you know it's it's exposition but it's done well right which is great but at the same time I did not buy the Zola thing at all that was just weird and and silly and and a little too silly even though it's a comic book movie it's like okay he's stored on archive tapes and yet it's actual consciousness that's alive and we're like what come on right well maybe you haven't heard uh, of a movie called transcendence that's coming out yes but <laughs> it's easier to even though it, i still don't think it's possible to store a consciousness it's possibly information but not actual consciousness okay. um but but DJ. but it's more believable now but on on archive tapes i mean come on yeah, I well, I think this is more of a fan payoff because apparently in the comics, Zola is uh, appears more often on a screen than as a physical human being. Yeah, you were well, about to say something. Well, I was going to say you're once again when you're going to have problems with little things like that, it really makes me go like you realize there's a place called Asgard and they have magic hammers and. Yes, but again, it's easier to believe that that is a real place that can exist. But, but when you're trying to base the idea of of technology that we're familiar with, such as tape drives uh, from from the you know 60s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever it is, uh, it'd be around the 60s. And they had the information and knowledge of Hydra 
and scientists from around the world. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just well, okay, look at it this way. You should have been upset for the reason most of the diehard comic fans were, because if you do an Im- a Google image search um, of uh, Armin Zola, uh, you will probably come back with lots of images of how he was in the comic oftentimes which is like he has his head on a screen that's in the chest of this like walking robot thing uh-huh um and i think you'll enjoy that so if nothing else just be glad that it was on like a, a computer interface with lots and lots of tape drives <laughs> and not like a walking machine that was basically some weird version of krang from teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> right, um, i'm putting this in the show notes uh right now did you, did you find a picture of it yeah look look at the thing i just pasted <laughs> From uh, Wikimedia. That, that was what some of my comic book friends uh, actually, they were like, so if we, because I said it was even better the second time. And one of my, my friends who actually got me into comics said, wait, if I watch it the second time, is Zola actually going to be in the chest of his like machine or whatever? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I go look it up. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I just, I, the, the whole concept is just a little weird. So while I praise the scene on the one hand for doing a massive uh, exposition info dump on the audience without us realizing it really, because I didn't realize it until I was reevaluating the film or, or evaluating it in, in preparing my notes. Like, mm-hmm. wow, that, that was really a lot of exposition that we needed, but not with us realizing that it was, you know, which is exactly the way movies should work. So I'm torn and conflicted about that scene. Chad, do you have anything to say about that? No, um, I, <laughs> I, I liked this scene. I thought it was fun that they got Toby Jones to come back, although it didn't sound like him at first. Mm. Um, but uh, I did not have any problem with believability. It's a superhero movie. <laughs> so, so oh. t- according to you, Chad, anything's game. I mean, I thought the one thing that Marvel not, has proven right. is that if you do it well and do it right, then it makes for a better superhero movie. Well, I agree, but I don't think uh, something like that is much of a drawback for me. <sighs> yeah, this okay. is like having a problem with uh, Red Skull's car in the first Captain America movie. Well, come to think of it, <laughs> with Tony Stark's uh, uh, screen technology. Yeah, I guess. All right. You guys win, sort of. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, I don't really have anything else negative to say about the film. We kind of transitioned into our dislikes without realizing it, but uh, I well, did one of my One of my biggest dislikes was not actually of the film, um, if I can go into that. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Um, and I think this is something that you totally echo as well, TJ. I, I may have seen you post it on Facebook, but once the movie's over... Have people not seen Marvel movies? Like, oh, I know. Yeah, no, this is this has nothing to do with the movie. I, I oh man. I'm just like, why are you people leaving? Like, yeah. I don't know about you guys. In my theater, it was basically a stampede. Like, it, it, it barely the end. The last scene was done, and the first credit was on the screen, and like people were clamoring over me. I wasn't even that far from the edge, and people are, just, you know, you know, we're out of here. It's like, uh, guys, seriously, this is a Marvel film. You know, we're not done. And so, and then the theater, because everybody's stampeding out, they turn up the house lights so that it's hard to see the screen. I was so irritated. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Both times I went to see it, like I'm like, you're seeing it open a weekend, so you probably have some investment, like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or right. this character. Why are? How can you not know that? Like, <laughs> there's going to be something to see. Yeah, I, I mean, like I can even I can even understand people leaving after the first one, even though I still think that rationally you should probably be staying until the final credit rolls and the, the little star goes over the Disney castle. Um, yeah. Or you might but, miss out on shawarma. That's right. 
Yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand what people's problem is. How, well, how are people in your theater, Chad? Were they trampling over you to get out? Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> it, it was the same problem. And, you know, I stayed through the credits uh, for both scenes, of both course. times I saw the films, because I saw it with different people each time. Because you're, seen you're it. a true cinephile. I am. And, uh, you know, did you know that the first, uh, the mid credit scene was directed by Joss Whedon? Yes. Well, that that's traditional for the director of the film that the end credit scene will pertain to or have something to do with to direct the end credit scene. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I, I would call that setup and, and, you know, standing, you know, getting things in place for, um, uh, the Avengers age of Ultron. I love the yeah. end credit scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Even though was, ultimately, whoops, oh, go ahead. Oh, what was that last that last credits in credit scene? Um, when Bucky. Uh, Bucky is in the museum, oh, yeah, 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 at the exhibit. That feels like larger setup stuff, not necessarily. Oh, yeah, you know, like and, and you know, I think you can make the argument that this movie is called The Winter Soldier because they're introducing Sebastian Stan for the next eight films he's going to appear in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, so one 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 was prepping us for Age of Ultron. One was prepping us for. Captain America three, I believe. Yeah, you're probably yeah. right about that. I've so, got a link in the show notes to uh, a, a piece that Joanna Robinson did at VanityFair.com about uh, about this. So th- I'd, I'd check that out if I were you guys. I always like to have um, one like that's also simultaneously a dislike. I've already had that one. You go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So my like was was the post credit scene with um, Baron von Strucker. Um, uh-huh. Right, and showing and introducing us to Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason that, unfortunately, the the meta picture of this really depresses me because it reminds me that Fox, Sony, and Disney are all fighting over the same intellectual yes. property, basically. Right, and because we're going to see a different version of Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, who are Magneto's children, right, in the X Men uh, movie that's coming up, right, and I'm pretty sure that even though. I'm going to thoroughly enjoy the X-Men movie. I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch a lot more in the Avengers. Right. Um, yes. And how crazy it is that because of the way the contracts are written and stuff like that, it's just so frustrating that like in the Marvel cinematic universe right now, like they can't say words like mutant because they don't uh-huh. contractually, you know, have the license for it because uh, Fox owns the X-Men and lots of those specific characters well, like the term mutant and stuff like that. It's kind of a mixed feelings or a mixed bag kind of thing because if, if Marvel had not licensed those characters at the time when they did that, they would not be around now to make the films that they're making now. They would have died without, without licensing those out because they were in rough shape for a while and they needed to do that. They needed the money. Well... If there was a way for the Marvel Cinematic Universe to have been kicked off without the X-Men films, I could live with that loss. Um, though I think there are some No, but good I'm saying there. Marvel as a studio, Marvel Studios would not be around if they hadn't oh, if they hadn't well, gotten the money from the licensing deals. It's entirely possible. Yeah, that that's that's at least the the I I'm 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 ultimately happy for it. I agree with you though. Like I, I and that's this gets into my dislike of rebooting Spider-Man. Like, why are you know why is there not continuity? I, I love continuity when it works right, and that's the way I feel. You know, to some extent, even though I love X-Men, and on the other hand, like I don't care that they're separate as long as they're you know it does bother me that they're bringing in the same characters and playing them with different actors in different ways, and that's kind of irritating. But you and know. you felt the same way when Christopher Nolan rebooted Batman. You no, were like, because I had no, I had no love for the previous Batman. <laughs> it's completely different. I want, I wanted to throw them all away. 
So don't you feel like someone felt the same way? They're like, oh, my God, Spider-Man 3. Can we just throw this all away right now before it gets worse? No, I'm sure they did, but they would be wrong. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, so I think that we can kind of move into our wrap up. And and the only thing that I want to say is that um, I I, I think that uh, this film could have easily rested on on the laurels of the Marvel Universe and just done another, oh, there's, you know, there's a situation that the captain needs to deal with and made a movie out of it and then gone on its way. But Marvel was not content with the status quo. And so they uh, they changed the game. And I think that that's a good thing. Like, I think too often you get, you know, these... uh, you know, people, you know, happy with the status quo and making their movies, and that's how things fizzle out. And and I think Marvel has just prevented themselves from fizzling out uh, for several years to come by changing the game. And yeah. I think ultimately that's why this film is very much worth your time, if for no other reason than, man, this they were not afraid to do things that most movie makers would have uh, – they, they, they would have been uh, a little bit queasy about. Yeah. So yep. that, that's my wrap-up thoughts. Uh, I would say that this film ups the ante, the conspiracy, and the implications for the entire Marvel Universe, um, at least as we understand it. And uh, I also think that it does it with what I would call an earned intenseness, and they do it in a fully engaging way. Yep. So, Chad? Yeah, I think it's 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 another forward for phase two for marvel um i think with each release i've liked the film more uh, the, n- the next film more so iron man 3 was pretty good i liked the thor the dark world even more and now uh captain america the winter soldier i think is even better it's essentially um uh less polished avengers as far as quality and story and upping the ante and all of that goes i think they did a very good job of trying to keep the same feel and continuing to continuing to improve the universe. And I think they've set themselves up for a really good place with the next Avengers film. That's a good trend. And with guardians of the galaxy. Yeah. It looks amazing. Yeah. I'm definitely interested. I know, you know, it's, it's kind of like iron man. I I didn't know that I was supposed to be excited about it. And then I was after I saw it. And I I hope the guardians of the galaxy will be the same way. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be excited about yet because I'm just not familiar with it at all. But, but I, I do have more excitement than I did for iron man because it is Marvel. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I really enjoyed seeing the trailer before the film. Yeah. No, on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, what are your ratings guys? And would you recommend this film? Mikey first. Oh, okay. Um, y'all just want to know mine. Cause I'm the only person who didn't put mine in the show notes. Right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> suspense. Uh, I would give, I would give this movie four and a half out of five stars for reference. What did you give the Avengers? Uh, five out of five stars. Really? Wow. Yes, I think the I think the Avengers is about as perfect as a movie as you can make with the subject matter. Um, okay. I, I I gave the first uh first Captain America movie also four and a half stars out of five. Um, like I said, star wise they're about on the same level, but if I have to split hairs, you know, I'm obviously dropping one. I think the first, you know, anyway, I'm getting too far into that list again. <laughs> but I would highly recommend this movie. Uh, I really do think it's the uh, it's the best movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right behind Avengers. Okay, Chad. Uh, I am also giving this film a four and a half out of five star rating. Uh, I believe I gave the Avengers a five out of five as well, and then Captain America. I don't know if I ever actually rated. So if if I had to just list a number on the spot i would say probably a four 
okay. out of five for the first Captain America film. So it's definitely a step up. So I give Captain America the Winter Soldier a four out of five, which is the same as I gave Captain America the first Avenger. Um, but I do think a little, yeah, I do think a little more highly of this film than the first Avenger, but not enough to give it a four and a half, which is what I gave the Avengers. So, so, so let's just clarify something. Um, for all you people who listened to when I was on last time, we're just saying that TJ thinks that Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is just as good as RoboCop. <laughs> yes, I, I would agree with that statement. So I just want to put that out there yes. to make sure we understand our star ratings. Am I supposed to be blushing or something? I, I agree with your statement about me. Nope. Okay. Nope. Just wanted to make sure that was out there. Okay. I mean, that was for, that was for Chad. All right. <laughs> I mean, to each his own. I, I, I really liked Robocop. I can tell. All right. I, I mean, I stand by my, I stand by my stuff, man. Uh, all right. So second best film in the Marvel universe. Are we agreed? Yes. Yes. We all, we all think that Robocop is about as good as the second best, best movie <laughs> in the Marvel cinematic universe. <laughs> you, you just can't move on. Can you? <laughs> But you, <laughs> as long as Chad keeps laughing, I'm going to keep bringing it up. All right. Well, um, so next week we're going to be talking about Noah. I have asked Fizz to be on for that show as well. He has not given his yes and amen to that. So we will see how that goes. Um, so in the meantime, between this episode and the next, where will people be able to keep up with you guys? Let's start with you, Fizz. Uh, over at the Real World Theology Podcast, not only do we really love watching movies, but like Chad and TJ, we believe that story is powerful and entertainment shouldn't be mindless. So we try to examine the narrows that are shaping our culture. Uh, if that seems interesting, you can find me at uh, realworldtheology.com. That's R-E-E-L theology.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, on iTunes, on Stitcher now, because, you know, Apparently Android people get some love. Yeah. You're up in the Android love. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, just doing everything we can to make sure that you can get a hold of us. Uh, We're trying to up our blog reviews too. So it's not only podcast stuff. Um, You can follow me at physification or you can follow the podcast at real world Theo and Chad. You can find my site at chadlikesmovies.com. Uh, Something I haven't mentioned before is Chad Likes Movies also has a Facebook page. So if you want to look up there, uh, sometimes if I don't get a review written, I'll have a short reaction to a film posted there. Um, my regular Facebook page is facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. <laughs> Excellent. Was that, was that one too many? No, it was not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I suggest that people look that one up, but uh, yeah, probably. you can try typing it in if you want. And I do suggest that you follow both of these guys and their work because they're awesome people. Uh, oh. Me, I'm, I'm you know, maybe I'm awesome, maybe I'm not. But if you want to follow me, you can find <laughs> me at twitter.com slash Pro. I write every day at moviebyte.com, maybe one post, maybe four posts, maybe five or six if I'm feeling really... Uh, you know, something about, you know, everything that I'm reading and just have to talk about it. But I post something every day at moviebyte.com. If you want to find show notes for this episode, go to moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 85. That's where you'll find the links for the things that we talked about uh, or the thing that we talked about, I guess, really. <laughs> uh, so that's where that that will be at. If you haven't done so yet, take the time to give us a review and a rating. At least give us a star rating in iTunes. Just search for moviebyte and we'll be the first result that comes up. Uh, in the iTunes podcast directory. So check us out there. 
uh, and let your friends know about us and all that good stuff uh, that really helps keep us uh, going and keep us on the air. Well, like I said, next week we're going to be talking about Noah, so be sure to tune in for that. I really have no idea how I'm going to feel about that film right now. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll... Uh, what was I going to say? <laughs> in the meantime, enjoy your time at the cinema. Go and watch and have fun, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.